0: Welcome to Word of Truth. This is Doug Presley. It is 10 2 2022. We're continuing our worship service and we're going to continue with the thought of the week and prayer.
1: Okay, here we have the thought of the week, starting with a verse from Galatians chapter 4, verse 19, where Paul says, My dear children, For whom I am again in the pain of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. Paul, speaking to those Galatians who have drifted off course from grace, is determined to labor with this group until he sees signs that Christ is walking in their lives. Notice the answer was for the Galatians to come to the knowledge of the truth. Thus, enabling Christ to dwell in them, in in this area. As we submit to the teaching of the Word of God, the Holy Spirit prepares the temple for Christ to dwell, which is in our bodies, of course. Just as the Galatians were not ready for Christ to walk in every area of their lives, the same is true for us. We must prepare the temple for Christ. But how can we do it? Well, the Holy Spirit does it with our cooperation. As we submit to the teaching of the Word of God, the Spirit takes up the battle and transforms our heart. When a battle is over and God wins, Christ can come and set his foot on that ground in our hearts. This is not an all-or-nothing proposition. Christ takes over gradually, as we yield to the Spirit's teaching and transforming power, we can say to God, I surrender all, and mean it. But we don't even know what that all is to surrender. However, this is a good motivation to have, because when the parts of that all come to our consciousness, we will hopefully make the right choices to believe the truth that is the commentary, I mean, sorry, that is the thoughts of the week, and I would like to offer commentary on that. Um, I think there's a, a sharp contrast and distinction that really needs to be made and, and hits home for so many people, that growth in Christ is not the same as salvation. In order to grow in Christ, there is a submission to the Holy Spirit, there's cooperation with Him, and it's kind of like diving into a pool. The surface of the pool being salvation. You must break through that surface. And how do we do that? Simply by believing in Christ, trusting him for our soul salvation. And alas, we are wet from being in a pool. But whether or not we want to just tread water from that point or to dive deeper is our choice. And we can choose to dive deeper dive deeper, and this is actually God's desire that we would come to know that, come to the knowledge of all truth, the treasure and wisdom that is hidden in Christ. And that, um, that journey, that diving deeper, is available to us. Um, I, don't, I don't know how to stress how available it is. It's just cooperation and humility towards the spirit of truth that is anxiously wanting to teach us and transform our
2: hearts in Christ's name. And now we will turn to Dave for the prayer. prayer. Thank you. Thanks, the So anyone have any special prayer requests?
0: Uh, Dave, you know, the ones I've already mentioned, uh, if you would continue to pray for for those uh, that are in a way to storm.
1: And also for those who have lost love on
2: Okay. I just thought in the service, we have everyone the floor, I we can so have prayer. Well, Heavenly Father, we're so, we're so gracious, Lord, that you're giving us opportunity to learn your way of salvation, Father. We also ask the Lord to pray for those who are in the midst of the storm, Father. We ask you to protect us, Father, as we know we're in, a, in this world, Father. In this world, not our whole, Father, we ask that you, Lord, to guide them and strengthen them, Lord. Father, we also ask for prayer of Word of Truth, Christian Church, as also word is, as word is Christian Church, Father. We ask you, Father, as we continue to learn of you, Lord, that you are our teach teachers and all wisdom and knowledge, Father. Father, we so grateful, God, you give us the opportunity to have another day to hear your Word, Father. We pray for those who are um who are under your ministry, Father, to teach us, Father, to learn from Father. We pray for those who are sick of us, Father. We pray for, especially myself, Father, as we lost love, ones, Father. We ask you, Lord, to look for those who have lost other loving, and they love, ones, Father. In the name of our only Savior Jesus Christ, we ask His name. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you, Dwight and Dave. Appreciate that. Amen. And we are moving right into uh, our study, which is John seventeen twenty six. You have notes in your notes. I have made, made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and I myself may be in them. Christ's mission in revealing the Father is just about complete. Obviously, he will not be finished until the entire church will one day be together, quote, and so we will be with the Lord forever, as 1 Thessalonians four seventeen. Until then, the church is a work in progress. Christ will go to heaven, be glorified, and continue to work tirelessly building his church, quote, to make her holy cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, <clears throat> That's Ephesians 5.26. What we are becoming is out of this world and is, quote, of a new kind, unprecedented, novel, uncommon, unheard of. These are definitions that come from there. By now, we see the heart of our Lord we see the love of the Father and his eternal purpose we see the glory that will result in the Father's plan being accomplished in Christ and the new creation our destiny is exciting as we allow our minds to be transformed into his image or as Paul would say we are, quote, being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit, unquote. That's if, uh, 2 Corinthians three eighteen. So, <clears throat> as you know, this is the last verse in our uh, John 17 in the Lord's Prayer. We know what happens next. So, um, these last words are Important to us. They're important because Jesus thought it important for us to know about what was coming next. Uh, It changes everything, what happened at Pentecost. It changes us. It changes the way God sees us. Uh, God is fulfilling a purpose that spans back before time began. And it's coming to fruition even now. So we're going to go through uh, these, these last phrases that Jesus uh, has, uh, says, uh, praise to the Father. So we're going to start, I have made you known to them. So we got a lot to, to cover, so we're just going to get right into it. So this is our introduction to the Father, which was part, the Lord finishing the work given to Him, and that's <clears throat> John seventeen four. Remember, that was the idea. I have finished the work you gave me to do in seventeen four. Uh, I brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. So that is part of the way Christ has made Him known. Now, of course, if we don't, if we read verses six six through nine. John 17 which we have done many times I pointed it out so I just want to make sure you know what Christ meant when he said finishing the work so point B this goes along with the earlier point that uh, there were two times the Lord spoke of work being finished the other time was after the cross, after he had paid for the sins and been judged for the sins, uh, just before he uh, breathed his last and died, um, he said, and actually uh, the Greek is tetelestai, and we put in, it is. Really, Christ just said, finished. That's what he said. He just screamed, finish. And, And finished means that he had paid for every sin of every person that would ever be born on planet earth. He was the sin bearer. As John the Baptist said, he was the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so he did. Uh, So he came, presented himself and as a sacrifice for our sins. Uh, He was bruised, as it says in Isaiah, for our iniquities. By his stripes we are healed. So the first time he says he was finished was in John 17, 4. But that referred to the work of God uh, to begin and establish the church. This is calling the disciples, making known the Father's plan to them, uh, revealing the Father. The Father actually did it. So we we covered that and there were two times the Lord said it's finished and each time I would say accentuates the two major works that he had to do while he was here. One was to uh, bring salvation right, To, to, to fulfill the salvation plan without which no one could be saved and the other has to do with his establishment of the church preparing those disciples um, to, uh, to orient to the new age that was dawning at Pentecost. And that's exactly what happened. So uh, I find it fascinating. Uh, it's one of the highlights of John 17 that I've, we've discovered. But we'll continue that thought another time. But point C, we're moving on in our notes. Point C. So it says, I have made you known. So I guess the NIV translates made you known, you known, that part. Uh, But most, well, in the Greek, it has the word name. The word for name is anima. And so instead of just saying what it means to make someone known, we're going to talk, because that's more of an interpretation than a translation. So a translation is, hey, well, give me the equivalent word for word of what that is. Sometimes you can't translate one language uh, directly from one word to another. Sometimes it might take more than one word. But either way, that, th- what the NIV did by saying made you known in that phrase, they interpreted what they meant by it. They ignored the word, the Greek word, anima whereas other translations have not. Even the King James Version did put the word name in there. So we're going to just operate as though we already know the name is in there because it is. So let's just go to it. The Greek word for name, as I said, is anima. And what does it mean? It means a name, literally or figuratively. Authority, character. That comes from strong. So we need to understand. what well, He has made His name known to us. I have made Your name known. I will. I think it's good to read some of the uh, other translations. How about Weist? Wiest says, um, "And I made known to them Your name." How about ESV? I don't know why when I read the ESV, I think of one person. <laughs> You know who it is, Dwight, don't you? Anyway, it says, uh, "I have made known to them your name." Very similar to East. Uh Let's look at uh, NET Bible. Uh, it says, "I have made your name." I have made known your name to them. So I think you get the general gist of of this. We're going to stick with the NIV, even though they sort of failed us at this point. We're going to stick with them. So it means that uh, name. And we already saw what the word name means. Point D. The name made known, let's just think about it, is not only the designation for a person, but it also speaks of their identity and authority of the person with the highest priority so think about that statement so if if i tell you my name like we use the word name today it's the same thing i said somebody says what's your name and you say your name is whatever it is that i that basically identifies you but it doesn't really talk about who you are it just says my name is so and so my name is doug and if i say that you know i could do does that get you any place right if if you're trying to get into the White House or somewhere, and they say, "Well, uh, we're closed," you you know, visiting hours are not not going on now. And you say, "Well, but I know Doug. I know Doug. He that's what we call name dropping, right? You, you're giving somebody's name, and the person is going, "Oh, you know Doug? Well, you should have said that before you started. Since you know Doug, come right in." Right. So so that's what name dropping people do that they say well um, to give themselves the credibility and authority that that name of that person has it's not just the person's name to identify the person it's the name that, that speaks of the authority of that person and it gives them the highest priority that, that's what we call name dropping and when we think about name dropping that's what happened when we are associated now with Christ, right? That is our identity. You—it it is almost as though uh, people say, "Well, who are you?" And then you pull out your card and you show them that you are united to the person of Christ, and all of a sudden doors open up for you—not <laughs> on this, not in this world. Uh, and that analogy may be silly to think, but. It is where we're going with this whole name thing, right? So, let's keep going and we'll get more information on it. Point E. So, the name was given to Christ. That's what it says. I have made known to them, right? The name was given to Christ. And what is that name that we are given to know? Uh, And that is Son. Son. So when we think of that, now the reason, I, this verse, I, I maybe, maybe I should have put the verse in. Uh, and that verse really that I'm focused on here is verse 11, 17, 11. I will remain, Jesus says, in the world no longer, but they are still in the world. And I am coming to you, Holy Father. Protect them by the power of your name. So there it is, the power of your name. Protect them by the power. Now, there again, it's not just, well, we say the name and then everybody, um, uh, you know, they shake in their boots. No, the name it comes with the authority and the majesty of who the Father is and what his plan is. So protect them by the power of your name. The name you gave me. So, so notice... The power of your name and the name you gave me. So these are the two things that I'm thinking about, so that they may be one as we are one. So you might want to add 1711 in your notes, which I failed to do in point, e, uh, point D, that is. No, no, I guess that's point, so, uh, point E which is, so the name was given to Christ, right? And that's, I'm going to just add that, John seventeen eleven because that's where I'm coming from, where it says, the name you gave me. And, and then it says, um, in point D, it speaks of, uh, of that name, right? That's, that's the name, and this is point E. So the name was given to Christ, and that name is Son. Think about it. When when Christ is the son, or or when we think about what name was given to Christ, son is reflective of what we call Roman-style adoption. Roman-style adoption, we already said, is the greatest transfer of wealth and power. It does not have to do with uh, somebody who is childless, and they're lonely and they just want some company so they get go down to the adoption agency and adopt some children or one or more children this is not a reference to that this had to do with kings and emperors those who had great power and wealth and position and as they are fading from the scene they picked an heir and the heir They would transfer all of their wealth and their power so that that person and the administration, the kingdom, would continue. So when we think about son, that is exactly what the father did to Christ. He gave the entire plan into the hands of Christ, on the shoulders of Christ. We call this Roman style adoption. The term son is a term that speaks of adoption. Christ is the son that receives everything from the Father. And that's why you see those statements. All that belongs to the Father is mine. Uh, I, father, I have everything I've given to the Father, and the Father has given everything to me. I own everything that comes from the Father is mine. He says statements like that because of the role that follows son. He's not just saying, you're my son. He's saying, you're my son because now everything revolves around you. The plan rests on your shoulders. And that's why we're talking about the name. What name is that? When we say son today, we are to think of the Father's plan and how he had the plan before time began. And we are to think of how the Son, as we already saw in verse 5, had already planned, the word he was called then, he'd already planned to take this role. And this is why he says in John 17, 5, And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. So he had already Decided to adopt the name Son, to take the role of the of the sonship, and that role was that the Father would give everything to Christ, and Christ would now be the Lord, and God the Father would bring many sons into glory through Him. So that's Roman style adoption. Guess what? We are also adopted into the family. So that's important for us to understand. So when we think of son, and we think of Christ, we also think of the new creation. Because in Christ, the new creation has come. Whatever was about you before, old, passed away. Male, female, slave, free, barbarian. Whatever was about us before, it's no longer anymore. We're now the new creation in Christ. So whenever we say son, we are the son. That is what we ought to think. So when he says, I have made your name the name known to them, Christ did that. Point F, we're moving forward in our notes. The name represents the highest authority, dignity, majesty, and honor. So so we're not just talking about well oh, some name like if you my name has no authority here on earth. well I might have some a few a little a little tiny bit Now I don't even want to think about about the authority I have compared to God's authority i'm I'm saying I'm nothing compared to that, but when we think of what who God is, all creatures should bow to god's majesty his honor because he created us and if you go to revelation and you see the four creatures and all of that they're saying worthy is the lamb and all of that because you created all things and you created us and and they are giving honor and praise to god for who he is and that's literally what the name represents But when we understand the name, it represents not just that God is the creator, but it represents the fact that God the Father had this plan to bring many sons into glory. And that's why he created all things. And it represents that now God has raised us up with Christ and seated us in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. We're the new creation and where do we sit? So let's talk about some of the verses here. We'll go through them quickly. John 17:10, all I have is yours and all you have is mine and glory has come to me <clears throat> through them. And then we're going to go all the way back to John 3:35 says the father loves the son and has placed everything in his hands. There it is. Everything. This is what we said in terms of Roman-style adoption, right? This is how the Father confers everything. And, you know, it's like what happened to, uh, in essence, Joseph in the Old Testament. When Pharaoh understood that Joseph under- had a plan <clears throat> to, to save the, the then-known world through that was going to have famine for all these years, he... Turned everything over to Joseph. He even gave him his signet ring. So when Joseph had that ring, that meant the wealth of the king and the pharaoh, or it wasn't the king, it was the pharaoh, was in Joseph's hands. All he had to do was, that signet ring represented all the wealth that Egypt had. And he gave it to Joseph. It was as if he conferred everything over to him and said, okay, Joseph, you now are standing in my place. Go ahead and do what you need to do. <clears throat> and remember, we said blessing comes with responsibility. We covered that. So, But in John 3.35, there you have <clears throat> an example of what that means. He says, the father loves the son and has placed everything in his hands. Everything. So that's uh, and then thirteen three, I'm skipping right through John so, so we can see these verses. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he understood where he was in uh, in terms of time and where he was getting ready to go to the cross. And actually we this comes right on the heels of where we started our uh, to the, in on the discourse from John fourteen to eighteen. <clears throat> so also um, Matthew twenty eight eighteen. I love reading this one. This was one of those that is quoted often. Twenty eight eighteen. Then Jesus came to them and said, "All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. <clears throat> All authority." where in heaven and on earth Wow does it get any higher than that all authority in heaven and on earth is and what is who is he he's the son son the name of son represents all that the father's plan entails everything that the father's plan involves is wrapped up in that one word, Son. Ephesians 19, uh, 1, we're going to the next verse, Ephesians 1, 19 through 23, says it this way. Um, well, well, we'll start at 18. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. And his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as his mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above our rule and authority, power, and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way so there you have the authority, the dignity the majesty of the position that Christ is in (laughs) guess who else is in we are in because we are united to that person the identity, the name of that person, identity, the authority that comes with that person is now conferred on us because of our identity, and not only are we associated with the Person of Christ, we're associated with the Father who had the plan from the beginning and gave it to Christ. So, not only are we in in union with Christ, but we are one with the Father as well. Interesting. So, then Philippians two nine. Philippians two nine we're talking about that special name that speaks of the mystery what's hidden from ages and past generations but now is revealed, right? So, but in 2.9, therefore, God exalted him to the highest place, the highest place, and gave him a name that is above every name. Well, we just read in Ephesians 1, but here's another place. He because of what Christ did while he was here, he humbled himself, became obedient, even death on a cross. And then God did this for him. He, he raised him up. Now get this last part, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth. And every tongue can acknowledge that Jesus is the Christ, uh, uh, Is Jesus that Jesus is Lord Get this, to the glory of God the Father. Why to the glory of God the Father? Why? Because it's the Father's plan. The Father receives glory because it was his plan to confer everything. First it was his plan to have many sons in the glory, and then it was his plan to adopt the Son, Jesus Christ, to confer the greatest transfer of wealth and power to him so that he could accomplish those things through him. So that's why the father receives glory. we're moving forward we're moving forward. Uh, that was point F was length, lengthy here but point G since Christ's glory depends on us that is his body and we know that we read that in John 17:10 and glory has come to me through them Christ said in John 1710. Uh, so it does. <clears throat> and the Father's glory depends on Christ, which we just saw. how? Because Christ completed the work on earth, right that, that when he was here, then the Father now to the glory of God the Father. <clears throat> then, so, so his let's just start again. I'm keep interrupting. Since Christ's glory depends on us, that is his body, and the Father's glory depends on Christ, then the entire eternal purpose depends on the church's success. What's the church's success? That's us. We're the church. Obviously, we are God's highest priority. Now, some of this I took. From the notes, when we actually covered the word name, we came across this phrase back in March of this year, and we covered some of this. So I borrowed some of this, just to let you know. I repurposed some of some of what I just wrote to you here in these in these points. <clears throat> but the thought here is, we are God's highest priority. Not only is it the authority uh, and the dignity. And the majesty and the elevation that we have been raised to, but God because, because of all of that, we are God's highest priority. And Christ says in John 17:11, protect them by the power of your name. Well, all things were created because of this purpose. All things. So imagine: will God not fulfill his purpose? When all things were created for this purpose, I think not. I think things will come full circle to where God has completed what he started. I like the verse in Philippians in this regard. He that has begun a good work in you will complete it. Right? He will carry it on to completion. So that, that is for sure. We can know God started out a good work by bringing many sons into glory as well. And you know he's going to see that through. That's his highest priority. Guess what? It's not his highest priority just now. It has always been his highest priority. Because all things revolve around God's eternal purpose. It has always been. So the creation of Adam, the creation of man in general, in his image, the creation of angels, the creation of all things, uh, the universe, all of it was so that God could bring many sons into glory. Christ, uh, was all things were made by him and and through him. Through him, all, how does it say it? Let me read that for you in John 1, where it says, uh, Through him, yeah, through Christ, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Notice, it's through him. So how, how is it through him? Did Christ decide to make all things? No, it was a part of the Father's plans. The Father's plan to create all things, and Christ was the agency in which it was done. Through Him, that's how all things were created. Yeah, He's everything is in His hands. So, this part of it. Certainly, not a surprise to us that we are the highest priority, but it should be stated that when we look at all the scriptures in the Bible, we recognize and orient, since God has revealed this to us, that what is the priority of God? What is the Father's eternal purpose? Because that drives everything, that drives it all. If you're not driving with this, then you're not driving by the spirit of truth because that is what the spirit of truth has come here to tell us. That all things revolve around the Father's eternal purpose, which is now revealed. Let's go point H in our notes. Christ has revealed the Father's plan committed to him, right? Which, quote, which for ages past was kept hidden in God. Now notice this last part, who created all things. Now that was hidden in God, this was before all things were created. But notice, Christ revealed the Father's plan, committed and committed. it was committed to him, which for ages past was kept hidden in God. That's the mystery. God didn't tell anybody about it. But he created all things, and he did it through Christ as well. So Christ in his deity is engaged in the Father's eternal purpose as well as Christ in his humanity. So when we read the resume of Christ in Colossians chapter one verses fifteen through seven or through nineteen, it talks about all that. He, Christ did as the person of Christ. By him, all things were created, whether they be thrones, dominions. All of that was his deity. So he was working on the Father's plan before he got here, uh, where he says to the Father, I'm here, Father. Um, uh, I'm finishing the work you gave me to do to your glory. Uh, He's been working in creation for the Father's plan. And notice how creation is linked to that which was kept hidden in ages past. In God. Nobody knew it, but God. That's it. That's Ephesians 3, 9. So we're continuing to point B. I've made you known to them. I've I've made known your name. And will continue to make it known, or you known. All right, so we're, we're going to look at this next phrase uh, and we'll continue to make you known. Let's dig in. Uh, we got a little more time. So Christ's work continues even after he is glorified. So we, we already spoke about the fact that he was working in his deity before um, time began where he created all things where time started and then uh, creations of all things began. He was already working, but he continues to work. He says he will continue to make known, make you known. No, when he says, you know, or your name, he's referring to the Father's eternal purpose. That's what he's thinking about, which drive, as I said, which drives everything. So uh, Christ's word continues, <clears throat> Even after he is glorified, and Christ even said as much, he says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. That's John 16 12. So, if he's saying, I've told you, no, I told you what I've told you now. So, at the end of 16, he goes into the prayer to the Father, but but uh, he's saying, He got. Not just more, but much more to say to you. Now, is Christ saying it to us? Or is the Holy Spirit saying it to us? The Spirit of Truth. Well, the Spirit of Truth is taken from what Christ has, and he is revealing it to us. So therefore, the means of communication is Christ is not speaking to us directly, but yes, he is. Through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Which we call. Holy Spirit. Spirit of truth. In this age. He has a unique ministry. What is the Holy Spirit talking about? He's talking about. The Father's eternal purpose. <laughs> if, if, you, if you miss anything else in the whole lesson. I, I hear people. Teachers say that all the time. Get this point. The Father's eternal purpose. Purpose, right? That's what it's all about. That's what all things are all about. So Christ is saying, I got much more to say to you. Say to you about what? He's already been introducing the Father's plan. He got much more to say. And he does say this much more through the means of his communication lia- liaison. And that is God the Holy Spirit, also known as Spirit of Truth, Comforter, the Advocate all of this re- is reflective of the ministry that the holy spirit now has directly with us and uh, between he, the holy spirit is between us and Christ so uh, what what is the holy spirit doing he is taking from what is his and making his known making it known to us he is not going to speak about himself it's not about him he is only communicating Uh, what Christ has to tell us. So that, I have much more to say to you, comes through the Spirit of Truth. It comes. And we have the mind of Christ through the Spirit of Truth. That's John 16, 13 and 14, where it says Christ is actively working through the Spirit of Truth. That's the next point, point B. Let's go to John 16 and... uh, 13 and 14, 16, 13 and 14. Not that we haven't read these verses, but hopefully we can see a little bit more clarity from these verses. It says, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into the Mosaic law. Absolutely not. The Holy Spirit is not coming here to tell us about Old Testament things that this information was hidden from for Old Testament information we got the Old Testament it's there, not only is it there but it's there in writing for us Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Truth uh, the Advocate, the Comforter is not coming to tell us about Old Testament realities it was already revealed you can even see that in the past, God spoke in various ways and various times. But in these last days, He has spoken to us through His Son. Son. And actually, it doesn't say through His, his Son. It says through Son. That's how it says it in the Greek. That word is emphatic, there is no definite article. So, through Son. And that is the ministry of the Holy Spirit that we're talking about. He is the communication liaison that completely gets Christ, knows. There's no deviation of, oh, well, he sort of got me. He sort of captured the thought, but he really didn't. No, the Holy Spirit knows the deep things of God. He, he, he already understands exactly what the mind of Christ is. There's no deviation. There's no shadow or shade of turning with the Holy Spirit. He knows exactly what is the mind of Christ and he gives it to us. It is as though Christ himself is speaking to us. Literally, that is the same thing that was happening with the Father. Christ was saying, the Father is in me, Philip. Don't you know anyone who has seen me has seen the Father? How can you say, show us the Father? The very words I speak to you are not my own, but it is the Father living in me. If you don't believe anything else, believe on the evidence of the works themselves. You know I can't do these things as a human being. You know God is here. You know he's in me. And the words I'm telling you are his words, not mine. And the same thing with the Holy Spirit. He didn't take any glory to himself. He says, I'm going to tell you exactly what Christ says. Christ said, I have much more to tell you. Much more. But they couldn't bear it at that point. But we are getting it through the ministry of the Spirit of Truth. What kind of information is that? Specific information. That's point C. Get to know the Spirit of Truth and His exclusive ministry to the church. Yeah, when, when the church started, Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came. When the church is raptured, the Holy Spirit leaves. Now, the Holy Spirit will still be active in the world, just like he was before, but this special ministry where he is focused on bringing many sons into glory and uh, leading and guiding us to, into all truth will not be here because the church is not here. That's ministry, is specially for us. It is not for Israel. It is not for Gentiles or Jews. It is for the church, those who are in the body of Christ. So that ministry is about us. That ministry is to reveal that which was hidden from ages past and generations. It is also characterized, I don't have this in the notes, but it's 1 Corinthians 2. Uh, things that eyes have not seen. This is 1 Corinthians 2.9. What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived. You you say this to people, and they'll say, Oh, that's a new idea that we came up with, and we got this new business around it, and that's why nobody else saw it, nobody else, we were the first ones. No, but this is not saying that. It says what no eye has seen. What no ear has heard and what no human mind has conceived. In other words, whatever the Holy Spirit is going to reveal to us, it is not human. It is not about things that we could understand or comprehend or even know. But verse 10, these are the things God has revealed to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. What are they What are the deep things of God? That's the mind of Christ. That's all the stuff that Christ has to tell us more, the much more that he has to tell us. This is what we speak, Paul says in verse 13. Not in words taught us by human wisdom, but words taught us by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities and Spirit-taught words. We're not talking about human wisdom. If you go to verse 7... No, we declare God's wisdom, God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. That's the wisdom. That's the knowledge that belongs to the church. So what do you think the Holy Spirit is doing? That's what his job is, to reveal that. Anything outside of that is not part the Spirit of Truth's ministry. You want to grieve the Spirit? Well, then you deviate from what He wants to teach. If you want to grieve the Spirit? Then you focus on things that are not dispensationally accurate for us, right? Israel, you, or you think you're just a Gentile or something? You don't understand the ministry that was uh, of the Spirit that was. That, That he's come to reveal. His whole purpose is to reveal this ministry. And if you want to know where the spirit of truth is, just listen to see what people are talking about. What are they talking about? Are they talking about this stuff? Because it's right here. This is what the spirit of truth has revealed. We didn't get this because we dug it up. We couldn't dig it up. This is what no human mind has conceived. Couldn't. It's not. A, it's not available. It's only available through the spirit. If a person doesn't have the spirit, he's going to say it's foolishness. Oh, that's you. No, you can't know those things. I'm sorry, you just can't know what happened before time began. You can't know what they were planning. You can't know the actors involved. You can't know any of that. That's what they'll say because you weren't there. And there's man. No man was there. In the Father's plan, this is all about what the Father planned, and now, in time, He is getting to bring those many sons into glory. Now, just now, well, when I say now, I mean, two thousand years ago, Pentecost happened, circa two thousand years ago. So, so then, that's the understanding of the exclusive ministry to the church. It's only to the church if. If a person is talking about Israel and talking about how you gotta live your life according to the way David and Jonathan and Daniel and this one, that ain't that's not information that's me. That ain't. It ain't information in which the Spirit is revealing to them. They are not. They don't have the Spirit. Spirit of truth is not here to tell you about relationships and all the stuff that people are talking about in churches today. It's not, it's not about that. It's about this information that was hidden and that now at this time is revealed. They even look over those verses, like, wow, that doesn't mean anything. Well, there it is. How much more dogmatic can God be to say it was not revealed and ages past, it was kept hidden. And how much more dramatic can he be? That people are walking around dismissing. This information as though it were nothing. It's like the Mosaic Law or something. Nothing like that. Not only has this information been revealed, God didn't stop there. He said, I'm going to give you, on the ground, my my communication liaison. I'm getting mixed up here. My communication liaison is going to be the one who's in charge. Of making sure you get accurate information. Anything outside of that is not accurate. What's who you are and what you need to know is right here. Now, that doesn't mean you can't talk about the Old Testament or anything. Sure, you can, but but the emphasis, the priority, the authority should be made known, so that people don't get it twisted. Why is Paul talking about the Old Testament to the Jews? Because the Jews hated the church and railed against it. So God said, well, you know what? I'm going to explain it so people can sort it out. And you know, this was the big controversy in the the first century. The Jews did not want the church. They wanted to continue with their own culture. And God had shown shown up in their culture. He'd had miracles, signs, and wonders. But now... Through various signs, wonders, and gifts of the Holy Spirit, he has made known his direction to move to the church. Jews didn't want to have anything to do with that. So God gives detailed explanation of not only where Israel failed and was disciplined, but how God brought forth the church. How he did it. And why Israel's assertions, allegations are wrong. They are set aside and God is doing this thing. He is, he is, and to tell God that he can't fulfill his eternal purpose, that is the priority. And, and that's what the Jews were saying. God, you don't have the right to do that. We're the chosen people. Can't do that. How dare they say that? So they, the one who was the son, guess what they did to him? They crucified him. And he's the son. All of that played into God's eternal purpose because God knew that Christ would get on the cross and that's when he took the opportunity to impute the sins of the world to him. And that's why after it was all the smoke cleared, God God had triumphed over them, says Colossians chapter 2. Triumphed over them by means of the cross. Defeated principalities, and powers. More to come. Let's look at a couple more points and we're going to have to close. Uh, So where are we? Listen, if you don't get to know, this is point C, if you don't get to know the Spirit of Truth in this exclusive ministry to the church, you can't grow up in Christ. You can't. If you're focused on all this other stuff, then you're not focused on what the Spirit of Truth is trying to teach you. And this is where humility is required. This is the priority. Right here. Don't move. Let God the Holy Spirit teach you. Point D. What else is our Lord doing in heaven? Okay, we said the Lord continues to teach. Well, who's he teaching through? The Spirit of truth. He's the communication liaison here on the earth. Point D. What else is he doing in heaven? He, cuz that's where he is right now. He's in heaven quote who was raised to life is at the right hand of god and is also interceding for us this is what christ is doing he's working his work is not over it started before time began and it's not over now he continues to work in two ways i just told you one way where the holy spirit is taken from him he's still speaking to us through the holy spirit And he's working another way where he is at the right hand of God interceding for us. Where's the priority? It's right now in the church. And is Christ focused on that? Absolutely. Is the Father focused on that? Absolutely. Is the Holy Spirit focused on it? Well, that is his job. And by the way, if that is his job and pastor's, are under the ministry of the Holy Spirit to teach, right? So that we could if we're in that chain, then the information must be according to what the Spirit of Truth has taught us. We're not at liberty to go out and teach whatever we think is important. We need to be teaching what the priority, the name and making the name known, making making that the plan known to all. Right? That's that's the objective. It's not just for God the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. It's for pastors who have that authority, who have been given that authority for that very purpose. So, we, so what do we find? In point D, we find Christ also interceding for us. Yeah. And point E, this next point will continue to make you known, right? So this is this is the absolute quest for us during our time here on earth this is it it is if you have some other objective you go ahead and you do that but let me tell you what God wants you to do let me let me just let you know I mean you still have the option to do whatever you want to do with it this is, each of us will stand before the judgment seat of Christ so that we each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body. We can tell you what God wants you to do, but obviously you have the opportunity to fulfill, to work out your salvation, your own self. So here, here, let's just go to this point. I don't know that, let's see, 106, how much time we have. Maybe we won't look at this point. We will continue this thought next week but this is our absolute quest during our time here on earth what are we if you want to know what are we supposed to be doing if you want to know what is god's will for your life you know some people think well yeah i got to find god's will for my life and, and that means i got to find what business i'm good at or what i'm good at doing on this earth so i got to make money and i got to pick, that's my that is not your life if you're in Christ, you are the new creation. You're only here for a time. And then you're going to be God. Just imagine. Well, The church is here for, has been here for over 2,000 years. But you won't be here for over 2,000 years. You're going to be absent from the body, present with the Lord. And I might just meet you there because I might go before you. But that's, that's the short time we have. James said it was, our life is like a puff of smoke, a vapor, in which you look at it, and you're looking at it, and you clearly see it. You look away, and then you look back again. It's gone. It's not there. Dissipated. And that that's the short time we have here. How much of that time were you devote, commit give to god depends on how you love him it depends on love that's what love is once you first you got to learn the plan because you can't love what you don't know got to learn the plan understand it in the detail like it says that you may be able to grasp how high and wide and deep and long I may get that mixed up, but don't worry. Is the love of Christ. I'm I'm just quoting from the top of my head. And to know this love that goes, so you need to know the full dimensions of the Father's plan, full dimensions, so that you can have love for it. Now, all of this is by choice. And God will reward those who have persisted to come to know his plan and to grow up in him and to reach the fullness and stature of Christ and there will be a reward waiting for you at the judgment seat of Christ and the reward is to understand now while we're here in time God's full the fullness of what he has for us in this life so we'll go over some of this next week. We'll, we'll pick up right here and we'll continue this thought. I did not think we were going to get through all the notes, but that is okay. We have uh, more time as God allows. It's up to, you know, we'll be here next week, God willing. And we will continue in John chapter 17, verse 26. Let's bow our heads as we close. Father, thank you for this time you've given us you you have taught us through the ministry of the spirit where we now have solid defining clear information about his role in our lives father it's just up to us to believe it or not it's up to us father so we pray that each person will come to the knowledge of the truth through him will understand their destiny uh, where they fit in your plan how you have gifted them, and uh, we thank you for choosing us before time began as we are here in this world. Father, we pray for, again, as we are in the world, and we know that you said in this world we will have trouble. Father, we are praying for those who are on our hearts in the path of the storm and uh, those who are grieving uh, we pray for Word is Truth Christian Church and their families, uh, asking your blessings upon us so that we can continue to do the work that we're called to do. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Amen.
1: Amen. Amen. Amen.